So this morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 8, looking at verses 12 to 20. This is God's word. Remember, Jesus is at the Feast of Booths, and he's just given this beautiful gospel invitation. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And now in verse 12, it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is God's word. Let's pray. Oh Lord, would you come and open our eyes that we may see Jesus this morning. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, well, when Diane and I were missionaries in Nicaragua, we took the youth of our church uh, on a tour of a cave near a volcano, a dormant volcano, but a volcano that could erupt at any moment. And as we entered into the mouth of the cave, the light of the day started to go dim. And only a few steps in, we had to turn on flashlights. And as we progressed deeper into the darkness of the cave, even our flashlights felt like they were getting even dimmer because the darkness was getting darker. And at one point, our tour guide told everyone to turn off the lights. You can imagine the girls' screams at that moment. But when I say it was dark, I mean, it was dark. Like you couldn't see your hand if you put it in front of your face type of dark. And then I remember when we turned all the lights back on, we could see all the dangers around us. We could see all the sharp and jagged rocks and tons and tons of scorpions. And there would be no way for us to get out of that cave from where we were if we had no light. It, it, it was so dark that it was disorienting. Even, even though our lights were back on, we still didn't know which way to go to get out of the cave. Thankfully, our tour guide knew, and he showed us the way. But as we turned a corner on our way out, and the light at the entrance of the cave shined our way, I remembered feeling so much relief. Relief. 
And as we walked towards the light, all I wanted to do was get to the light. I didn't want to be in the darkness anymore. And some of you just experienced that this week, right? When those transformers blew during that ice storm, and some of you guys lost power and were in the darkness for a while with no light or heat, I'm sure that none of you would like to go back to the cold darkness of Wednesday. And so here in our text this morning, Jesus says that he is the light of the world. He has come to help us see the darkness of our world and help us to see the sin in our own lives and to come to bring salvation so that anyone who follows him will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. And so for those of you who are taking notes this morning, I've divided the sermon into three sections. And so in our text today, we're going to see Jesus makes a claim, Jesus defends his claim, and then our response to his claim. So Jesus makes a claim, Jesus defends his claim, and then our response to his claim. And the main point, which I hope you see in the text, is this. Jesus is the light of the world who offers light and life to all who follow him. Jesus is the light of the world who offers light and life to all who follow him. All right, to better help us understand our text this morning, it's it's important to understand where and when Jesus spoke these words. It's important to understand the context, right? If you look at John uh, chapter 8, verse 20, John tells us where all this happened. He says, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. So Jesus spoke these words in the temple in a place called the treasury. And another name for this place was the court of the women, which was the second outermost court in the temple. First was the court of the Gentiles. And and so if anyone wasn't a Jew, that was as far as they could go in the temple. And then after that was the court of the women. And this was the furthest that the women could go. It was also the place where people would come and pay the temple tax and uh, bring their money offerings and place it into the bins they had there. It was a very busy and public area. And so Jesus probably picked this place because he knew many people would be around to hear his words. But there was another more significant reason why Jesus spoke these words in this specific location. We know where Jesus taught in the treasury, but when did this happen? When did this happen? Remember in chapter 7, John tells us that Jesus was in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of the Booths. And last week we talked about that feast and how it celebrated how the Lord had provided for his people as they wandered through the wilderness until he brought them into the promised land. And then they camped. They made these makeshift tents where they reminded themselves that they lived in makeshift tents throughout the wilderness I love camping. I enjoy sleeping in a tent. I enjoy roughing it for a few days. I'm sure some of you here do too, and maybe others of you don't. 
But the people in this time period thought this was the greatest of the celebrations. There, there was a time, this was a time of much joy and excitement. And for the whole week, they camped and celebrated how their God had saved them from slavery in Egypt and had provided for them all that time in the wilderness. And there was this water celebration ceremony that we looked at last week that reminded the people of how God provided water in the wilderness when Moses struck the rock. But there was another ceremony that happened during the Feast of Booths. And it happened at night. Every night during the Feast of Booths, in the court of the women, so in the treasury, where Jesus was speaking, four large torches were lit and they would light up the night sky. There was not a place in the city that the people would not see the, the light, the illuminating light from the temple. And, and the reason for this lamp lighting ceremony was to remind the people of their exodus from Egypt when they wandered in that wilderness. And God went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud during the day to guide them and a pillar of fire to give them light during the darkness of night. And so during this celebration, they would sing and they would dance and they would shout, God is our light and our salvation. And so now think about where Jesus is where the, and when this is taking place. During the Feast of Booths, on the last day, on the final night, in the court of the women, next to the large lampstands that would illuminate the temple and the city, reminding the people of how God was their light during the darkness of night as they wandered through the wilderness. And Jesus says in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Imagine this. All of Jerusalem was full of light. And, and this man, whom the Pharisees hated, spoke up and said, I am the light of the world. Think about what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I am the pillar of fire that led Israel through that wilderness. And then he continues, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What Jesus says here deeply challenged those who heard his words. This was a bold statement, and it definitely got the attention of the religious leaders. And they understood very clearly what he was saying. In saying this, he made a clear statement about his deity that he was and is God. There's this Greek phrase that is used all throughout this chapter, the words ego ami, ego ami, which simply means I am. I am. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world. And he goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the door. I am the shepherd. He's not only drawing analogies that, about things that we could understand. He is saying that he is Yahweh. 
He's saying that he is the one who revealed himself to Moses. He is the one who said to Moses, when the people of Israel ask who sent you, tell them, I am has sent me to you. Jesus is saying, I am the covenant Lord. Also in saying, I am the light of the world, he's also saying that there is no other light. What the sun is to the the whole solar system, the source of light and heat and life, Jesus has come into the world to be that for sinners who are in the darkness. In Malachi, Jesus is described as the sun, S-U-N, the sun of righteousness. There is no other source of righteousness. There is no other source of spiritual light than Jesus. And this theme of light is seen all throughout John's gospel. Remember in chapter, chapter one, John writes that John the Baptist wasn't the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. And then in chapter three, the light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light. And so as John is writing about this theme of light, we also see this theme of darkness. And what we were taught in the scriptures is that all this world, the world around us and all of humanity by nature are dark. We all by nature walk in darkness. And Jesus came into the world to give light and to give life. And so as Jesus shines light in the darkness, he reveals sin. He illuminates the human condition. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all rejected God and we would continue to reject God if it weren't for the Spirit working in our hearts. So Jesus came to shine light into the darkness in order to give us light and life. And I'm not sure if we think about this enough. That my heart, even as a believer, needs the light of Christ to shine in the dark recesses of it. In our daily lives, our attention is drawn away to lesser and lesser things. At our jobs, we have trainings that tell us what we need. In the schools, they, they teach us, they teach us what, what we need. They, on social media and, and the, the news reports, they, they're telling us what we need, but none of these things are telling us that we need the light of Christ. We're told that we need to have better sales, better grades, more friends and followers, the perfect house, the perfect body, a better political system. But what we really need is for the light of Christ to shine in our hearts and reveal our sin. As we go about our lives without seeing this need, we become nocturnal. 
We get used to the darkness. We develop night vision. And we start to conform to this world and begin to believe that the darkness isn't so bad. Sad to see the church affirming homosexuality, justifying abortion, covering up sex abuse. That is all darkness. But when we allow Christ to shine in our lives through the reading of his word, our eyes adjust and Jesus helps us see the dangers. He helps us see our sin and the ways in which we've strayed from the truth. And he helps us to walk in light, to live lives with real purpose and meaning, to have the light of life. This is what Jesus does as the light of the world. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, Paul's speaking to believers and, and what God has done for those who believe in Jesus. And he says, he, Jesus, has delivered us, where from? The domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been delivered from the domain of darkness. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 for at once you were for at one time you were darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of the light The world that we live in is full of darkness If we're honest about it we know this just from our personal experiences we see the, inju the injustices in our world. We see the separation of families. We see the murder of babies. The death that takes our loved ones. It's obvious that we live in a world that is dark. But there is hope. There is hope. And that's what Jesus preaches here. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Israelites in the wilderness focused on that cloud. They followed it. At night, they walked in its light. No matter how dark the night was, the pillar of fire illuminated all around them, so there was no stumbling there was no confusion. There was no fear. Jesus provides this for those who follow him. But to be clear, when Jesus says, whoever follows me, he's not talking about this half-hearted followership. He is talking about following him, believing him to be both Savior and Lord the one who died for the sins of those who believe in him, but also the Lord who should be obeyed. So following him means complete submission to him as Lord. Whoever follows me, that means whoever believes in me, whoever trusts in me, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the life, the light of life. What a beautiful promise that Jesus makes to those who believe in him.
If you believe in Jesus, then something happens inside of you that makes you want to walk in light and not walk in darkness. And when you do walk in darkness, when you do sin, you're grieved for not walking in the light. And if that's your experience here this morning, Christian, brother, or sister, find comfort in that. Maybe, maybe you've doubted your faith this week because it's weak. Maybe you've been beaten down so much by life and, and the busyness of it. You've struggled to make some time to spend with the Lord. But if you feel that tension, knowing that you've been walking in darkness, but you're grieved, that's evidence of the Spirit's work in your life. And so take that. Ask Jesus to help you walk in the light. Go to him in prayer. Hear him in his word. Have fellowship with other believers who also struggle and be reminded of the gospel. That apart from Christ, you were lost in darkness. You were dead in your sins and separated from God. But Jesus came into this dark world and he lived the life that you could never live yourself because you were blind and he died the death that you deserve. Jesus willingly went to the cross to die in your place. And yet the grave could not hold him. So he rose from the dead, defeating death and darkness so that he could give you life and light. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, the Apostle Paul explains what happens when someone comes to believe in Jesus. And he kind of, he goes back to creation. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so if somebody asks you how, you, how did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? You can simply say, God commanded light to shine in the darkness of my heart to give me the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There is no light apart from Jesus. So this morning, are you following him? Do you know that you have the light of life? Or are you walking in darkness? Does your lifestyle, priorities, and habits reflect the values of our dark world? Or do they reflect the values of Jesus' kingdom? If you're a young person, would your friends consider you a Christ follower by the way that you act around them and by the way that you act 
in school? Jesus made this great claim and this invitation to all. He is the light of the world. And yet, in our text, we see that the Pharisees instead challenge him. Here we see an example of those who don't follow him. The Pharisees represent the entire human race who is opposed to Jesus and his gospel. Think about it. Jesus, the Son of God, is standing before them. God in the flesh is giving them yet another invitation to come to him. And they reject him. These religious leaders are in darkness. As John wrote at the beginning of this gospel, he says, he, Jesus, came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Instead of responding to the clear invitation that Jesus gives, they bring up a legal technicality. Look at verse 13. The Pharisees say, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Here the Pharisees are referring to the law, which required two or three witnesses for establishing truth. We talked about that a little bit in chapter four. And so they say he's violating the law and because he's violating the law, what he's saying cannot be true. But what they don't realize is that by the power of Christ, the law came to be. And what Jesus has said about himself is true since God is true. But Jesus responds to them to support his self-testimony. Jesus defends his claim. Look at verse 14. Jesus answered them, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. In his commentary on, on this passage, Richard Phillips says this, Remember that these Pharisees are standing in the presence of God the Son. Imagine Albert Einstein being asked to present his college transcripts before lecturing on physics. We would laugh if someone demanded that Michael Jordan prove his right to speak on the subject of basketball. Far less should anyone stand before Jesus Christ and demand evidence to prove his divine teaching. Jesus validates himself. My testimony is true. And so the question for the Pharisees and the question for us this morning is, will we receive the testimony of Jesus? Jesus points out here that he is qualified to give testimony about himself because he knows where he came from. Eternally, he knows where he came from and he knows where he is going in the future. He came from heaven and he's going back. But these Pharisees didn't know this because they were spiritually blind. They were in the dark. So Jesus says, you guys don't have a clue. You don't know where I come from and where I'm going. And then he says that their judgment is based on superficiality. Look at verse 15. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. I think what Jesus is saying here is because we are human of the flesh, we're limited in our ability to judge rightly. How many documentaries are made explaining the issues with our judgment system? 
There are many people who get sent to prison for a crime that they didn't commit. Because sometimes we get it wrong. Jesus says in this verse, I don't do that. Do you see that there? I judge no one. To be clear, when Jesus says, I judge no one, he, he doesn't mean that he doesn't judge. But he doesn't judge according to the flesh. He makes spiritual judgments. And we know that he judges by what he says next. Look at verse 16. He says, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Here we see Jesus is judge. But this, this, we're talking about the first time in which Jesus came to the world. When he came to the world first, he came to be the Savior. That's why John says in John 3, 17, For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. But Jesus will come again. And when he comes, he will come as judge with right judgments. And, and what he says here, in perfect unity with the Father. And then he continues his argument in verses 17 and 18. He says, In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And so here Jesus says, fine. I'll take you at your own terms. But when I show you that by your own standards my testimony is true, you must accept me or stand exposed as hypocrites. So here are the two witnesses, myself and the Father who sent me. Jesus bears witness about himself by saying that if anyone who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He testifies to himself by saying, I am the light of the world. He self-testifies about who he is and what he came to do. And so what was the Father's testimony? We saw this in chapter 4. The Father testifies through Jesus' miraculous works. And then there was that testimony of John the Baptist who bore witness that Jesus is the light. Right? John said, I am not the light, but he is the light. And the testimony of the Old Testament scriptures as well. Jesus presents to these Pharisees valid, truthful witnesses. And how do the Pharisees respond? They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Where is your father? They don't get it. You see their blindness in this passage? They're in the dark. They thought he was speaking about his human father. The Pharisees' response reveals that their hearts were so hardened. They stood in the presence of the Son of God who had the greatest testimony that they would ever hear. He offered them credible witnesses, the witness of himself and God the Father, but they said, where's your father? And the reaction that we see here is the reaction we see with men and women today who don't want to be convinced. Some people today say, well, I don't see it that way. Or there's, there's not enough evidence for me to believe in Jesus. Alistair Begg says this, 
the objections of the blind do not negate truth. The objections of the blind do not negate truth. And then Alistair goes on to, to tell of this, this story um, of a street corner in London where some people would, would get up on a box to, to preach the gospel in the street. And one day a man waited till after the preacher was done preaching and this man stood on the box and shouted out, they say there is a God, but I can't see him. They say there is a heaven, but I don't see it. They say there is a hell, but I don't see it. They say there is a Jesus, but I don't see him. And then he got cheap applause from the people who were standing around. He got down from the box, and then another man came and stood on the box and shouted out, they say there is a blue sky, but I don't see it. They say there are trees all around, but I don't see them. They tell me that I'm speaking to a crowd, but I don't see. The reason is, I am blind. The blindness of the human heart does not negate the truth of Jesus Christ. The natural man walks in darkness. They can't see the truth. This is why we need the light of Christ. And did you notice Jesus' statement at the end of verse 19? He says, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. You cannot know the father except through knowing the son. Jesus shines light on the father. He illuminates the father for us. He says, if you know me, then you know the father. It is only through Jesus that we know God the father. If we are ever to have a right standing before God, we must go through Jesus. There is no other way. And so what led to this heated conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees here? That simple claim that Jesus made. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We've seen the religious leader's response. What is our response? We must ask ourselves this morning, what is our response to Jesus' claim in this text? Ask yourself, have I come to know who Jesus is? Have I come to know that he is the light of the world? That my heart by nature is dark and he has come to bring light we need to ask ourselves, are we following him? Does my life reflect that I'm following the Lord Jesus? Would those around you say that they see the light of life in you? Would your children say that about you? Would your friends, your spouse, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors? Is my life different from those who are walking in darkness or am I just like them? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never experienced the light of life. And you're asking, how do I get it? You just simply acknowledge that you are a sinner. 
Admit that there is no good thing within you that would make you acceptable before a holy God. And believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for sinners like you and like me. He is the light of the world. World. Not the light of Jerusalem. Light of the world. The light for the Jew, the light for the Gentile, the light for the rich, the light for the poor, the light for the young, the the light for the old. And as you submit your life to Jesus, you will begin to walk in that light. Jesus came to be lifted up on the cross so that we who believe in the light might become sons of light. Jesus took the darkness of God's judgment so that we might now receive the light of God's salvation. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I urge you to believe in him. Believe in him. And as believers... How do we continue to walk in this light? We don't want to stumble as we walk through life. We just simply look up, keep our eyes focused on the things above, continue to follow Jesus, pray more for this light, dig into the word. And as we walk in the light, we also want the light flowing out of us to others, don't we? The only true light, the only true Savior is Jesus Christ. So let us follow him. And as Jesus is the light of the world, let us be lamps that shine that light to others. Jesus is the light of the world who offers light and life to all who follow him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for the testimony of Jesus, the claim that he makes here in this passage. We thank you for the fact that the claim that he he makes here is true and that he does offer light and life to all who follow him. We pray that you would give us more of the light of life. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would shine your light in the dark places of our hearts, that you would expose our sins, that you would enable us to walk in the light and experience the light of life. We pray for those here who are currently in the place of the Pharisees, lost in darkness, unable to see you for who you really are. Lord, we pray that you would give spiritual sight to the blind, that they would see Jesus as the light of the world and would follow you, that they would believe. Help us to shine in this world as children of the light, to proclaim the good news of the gospel to a world lost in darkness. May you receive all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.